Let the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, my strength and my redeemer. We thank you for setting we thank you for setting us at tasks which demand our best efforts and for leading us to accomplishments which satisfy and delight us. We thank you also for those disappointments and failures that lead us to acknowledge our dependence on God alone. Every weekday morning, most of you know, we have morning prayer in the chapel. And these words are taken from the general thanksgiving. Now, usually we say the general thanksgiving you find in the liturgy for morning prayer on page 101. But the words I have just read are from the great the general thanksgiving found on page 836 of the Book of Common Prayer. And this is the offer, offer that Jesus also made to the great crowd that was traveling with us, traveling with him and to us today setting us at tasks which demand our best efforts and for, for those disappointments and failures that lead us to proclaim our dependence on God alone. Here Luke paints us a picture, an interesting picture. There is this large crowd following Jesus. Miracles can do that. There is this image of the crowd exuberant with expectations to see the man who does those miracles. But on the other hand, there is this image of Jesus with a more heavy and maybe conflicted heart. For Jesus is on his way to Jerusalem, on his way to the cross knowing that what awaits him is that he will be beaten and crucified. So it was important to Jesus that those who choose to follow him must be aware what that meant. And so Jesus offers three conditions. To hate your father and mother, to carry the cross, and to sum it all up, to give up all possessions. So Jesus turns to that crowd and, and says it straight on. Whoever comes to me and does not hate father and mother, wife and children, brothers and sisters, and even life itself cannot follow me. So here in Luke, Jesus uses that strong word, hate. 
It's the kind of hate, it's not the kind of hate that, that has this angry, emotional feeling that we tend to associate with the word. Instead, it is the act of distancing oneself from all the entanglements with the world. It is a word about choices and decisions. As we learn in the parable that precedes this passage, when the invitation to the great banquet is issued, those invited turn down the invitation because they're much too busy. This leads the Lord of the banquet to invite those not usually invited so that the original invitees cannot change their mind and come at the last minute. They had their chance, but they wasted it. Jesus is asking the crowd again that same question. When the invitation is extended, will they accept or will they make excuses? In other words, he's asking us, can we take our tasks which demand our best efforts? Can we turn away from, can we separate ourselves, detach ourselves from a culture that requires to only invite those people who will help us rise and rank? Instead, can we make time for others to see that they are equals, worthy also of an invitation? To follow Jesus is to carry our cross. Bearing a cross is not just our personal, physical difficulties, but it is instead what we do voluntarily in response to our commitment to Jesus Christ. And this commitment is not just a way of life. It is a commitment to a person. A disciple follows another person and learns a new way of life. And finally, our task in which Jesus calls us to the ultimate condition that we are to give up all our possessions. But yet we have to remember we have to realize that with all this giving up that we're called to do, we have to understand that no one, whether he or she, will be able to fulfill a com that commitment to discipleship. So Jesus is not asking for a guarantee of complete fidelity in advance. If he had no one would have qualified to be his disciple. And through these parables of the tower building and the defending against a larger army, Jesus is simply calling each person who would want to be a disciple for each person to consider in advance a complete change of priorities, of values, and pursuits. Paul wrote in 2 Corinthians that in Christ we become not just nice people, but
but new creations. So when Jesus turned to the crowd following him, he was not impressed by his own success. He was not interested in the casual, easy acceptance that the crowd seemed to offer. He was asking, can you follow me all the way to the cross? Can you change those priorities that were established by the world? Can you change those values that came from your culture? Can you change pursuits? Can you carry your cross? Can we follow Jesus? Can we give up all our possessions? Can we place no other commitments before our commitment to Jesus? The commitment to family, to job, to station in life, to, to what we do in, in our fellowship time. All that is beautiful, but it's second only to our commitment to Jesus Christ. So can we follow Jesus I believe the answer is yes. And just as we say in our baptism, yes, with God's help. So these failures that make us realize our total dependence upon God. So in the letter, Paul is reminding Philemon the same challenge to change and to reject the entanglements of the world when he asks, can you carry your cross in order to follow Jesus? Can you turn your back to the culture in which slaves were not equal and then set them free? As Paul asked, can Philemon see a former slave, Onesimus, in the image of God? Can he see him in the image as a brother? Can reconciliation exist between a master and a slave? The letter to Philemon is an important example of how Paul sought to embody a new vision for humanity, the church. Paul and those around him struggled to break down barriers to break down boundaries, to establish a new kingdom with new realities of how we live and conduct our lives. Paul's letter defines that task which demands our best efforts in the name of the reconciliation. So reconciliation, the very words, suddenly stretches our definition of morality. When, the need, when in need are a slave owner and a slave. Paul seeks us to redefine their relationship in terms of the gospel. A new kind of relationship on the basis of being a brother, sister. A brother who is a slave is still a slave. And a master who is a brother, remains a master. So what is our call with the slavery of the 20th and the 21st century? A slavery 
that has grown out of economic as well as social conditions, a slavery that binds people to generational poverty. Paul's letter attempts to persuade Philemon not to simply free Onesimus, but to welcome him back home, to welcome Onesimus even after he ran away, even after he probably stole from him, even after he probably also took goods that he would need for his trip. But Paul wants Philemon, in other words, not to pursue justice, but to create a cycle of grace, forgiveness, restitution, and reconciliation. More tellingly, Paul seeks here to create a new kind of society, a fellowship of equals in which the slave owner and the slave are brothers and sisters in Christ. We do not know, and maybe even Paul didn't know, what would happen. But Paul wanted a door to open for Onesimus that he could walk through as a forgiven brother. This, what this letter tells the church, what it tells the church to do is to be first a place of reconciliation in our communities. Not only within this body of Christ, but as a means to transform all society, the world. Reconciled people become agents of reconciliation because they know what it means to be reconciled. And so, therefore, they do reconciliation. It is the churches that are called to be that place where those seen by the world and society and culture is seen as unequals. So our job in terms of is, is, to, is to welcome those unequals, not in terms of the world, but in terms of being in Christ. In other words, the church is the embodiment of reconciliation. The church generates a new way of life for how Christians can enter into society and the world. And this letter points a way for Christians to become agents that subvert the ways of the world by embodying a way of life that establishes equality on the ground rules for the new communities in Christ. So our question today must be, can we follow Jesus? Can we take those tasks which challenge us, those tasks which cause us to separate ourselves from all those entanglements of the world and cause us to begin breaking down boundaries and to see all people as children of God? Can we thank God for setting us at tasks which demand our base, our best offering, and thank God 
for those disappointments and failures that lead us to acknowledge we don't have to do it by ourselves. We are totally dependent upon God. And the answer to those questions is yes. Just as we proclaimed in our baptism, yes, yes we can with God's help. Amen.